Good morning. Y'all doing good? Yes, very good, very good. So it is March Madness time. Uh, I love March Madness personally, college basketball, uh, the big tourney time. And I went home uh, Thursday and Friday and uh, to go see my family. And uh, me and my dad, we both love March Madness. So I got to spend a lot of time watching basketball with my dad, uh, which I loved. It's a bit of a tradition that my dad and I have where we will go to a restaurant the first two days of the tournament and watch all the games going on because at one time, there's, or a couple times during the two days, there's four games going at once. You can't watch all four at your house. So, of course, you had to go out to a restaurant and get a buffet. I, I, I did a good work on my preacher belly this uh, vacation. I took full advantage of both of those buffets. And then uh, Jamie stayed at, the, at my parents' house and hung out with the girls, painted, whatever, whatever girls do when guys aren't around. I don't know. You didn't have to ask her. But we had a good time. It's good to go home. Uh, but how many March Madness fans are there here? We got a couple. A couple. How many people filled out a bracket? Possibly a few. A few, maybe. So we got a couple March Madness fans here. March Madness is college basketball, and it's the big NCAA tournament. And in the tournament, there are 68 teams, and they rank the teams from best to worst. The best teams receive a one or two seed, and the worst teams receive like a 15 or 16 seed. And I, I don't need to mention that Michigan State got a two seed, but Ohio State got an 11 seed. I, 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 don't, I don't need to mention that. But anyways, the good, the good teams get, get the higher seeds, the one or two seeds. And the good teams, they get rewarded for uh, their good performance. They play weaker teams. But also important to notice is that these good teams, I mean, th these games, important to note as well, these games are played all over the country. They play in California, Iowa, North Carolina. They play all over the country, these games. But the good teams, they get rewarded, and they get to play close to their home. They get to play close to their school, which is a huge deal because home court advantage is a big deal in sports, whether you're talking about basketball or football or hockey or soccer, or baseball, whatever it may be. Home field advantage is such a big deal. It's a huge advantage. And in talking about missions, there seems to be a general idea that missions is all about international missions, missions overseas in third world countries. And don't get me wrong, that's a big part of missions. And that's what we're going to talk about next week as a guest speaker will come in here and talk about uh, the different ministries we have going on uh, throughout the world through LHI. Um, but that's not the full story. That's not the full story in talking about missions and just being the third world country. A big part of missions and what we're going to talk about this morning is the local missions, the local missions, the stuff that is happening right around us, right here in Springfield, Ohio. There's much that needs to be done, and people often overlook the local missions aspect when talking about missions. And so as we continue marching for missions, our series we've been going over, we're going to talk about local missions this morning. But before we do that, we'll go ahead and open up uh, with a word of prayer. And in the prayer calendar today, we're to pray for uh, the different services going on uh, around the world, so we'll also do that in our prayers. So if you'll bow with me. Father God, I just thank you for uh, this opportunity uh, to gather together as a part of your family, uh, the body of Christ. Uh, I just thank you uh, so much for the great family that we have, the great church family. Uh, Father, I just ask that uh, you speak through me uh, to your people, to your children, and uh, that we can 
come away seeing the importance of the local missions around us here in Springfield, Ohio. Father, also, I, I just pray that you be with all the other services going around in the world, whether that be in America, Peru, Africa, Russia, uh, wherever it may be, Father. I, I just ask that you be with the services there, that you bless them, that uh, everybody around the world today, we can continue to grow closer to you and expand your kingdom. And we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So yes, again, we're continuing our series on Marching for Missions, and to kind of just give you guys a quick rundown of what we've been talking about. The first week, uh, we, we talked about uh, defining the mission. We defined our mission. Does any, I'm playing with fire here, but does anybody remember what our mission is? Yeah, I, I, heard, I heard a few of you guys, you guys all talked quiet at once, maybe not super confident, but I heard a couple of you out there say, yeah, growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. That is our mission. That's what we defined the very first week. That determines whether or not if you're successful. If you're growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom, then you're successful. The second week, we talked about how we are all required to expand God's kingdom. We defined a Christian as someone who is a follower of Christ. And Christ says, follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. There, there, there's, no, there's no questions about it. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are a Christian, then you are a fisher of men. You are casting out your net to the people. You, you're, you're spreading that gospel message to everybody. Paul, Paul puts it this way. We plant and water the seeds, and God provides the growth. So we need to be a fisher of men. We need to be planting and watering those seeds, and we're working with God. God provides the growth, but God relies on us to plant and water those seeds in the first place. And so none of us are excluded from having to expand God's kingdom. We are all to be a fisher of men if we want to consider ourselves a Christian. And last week, the third week of the series, we talked about the power of a convicted mission. And we took a look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the power that they had behind their convicted mission. They lived in a nation, Babylon, that uh, it was required to worship a golden image. It was required of them. They were forced to worship them. But they had a mission. They wanted to give God the glory and honor that he deserves. And through the conviction that they had behind uh, their mission, they were able to totally revert Babylon's rule and having to worship a golden image to where Babylon became a nation where you had to worship God. That is the power of a convicted mission. We also took a couple uh, different looks at historical examples like Martin Luther King Jr. and Adolf Hitler. They had great power behind their convicted mission. We too, we too can have power with our convicted mission. If we're convicted about the mission that we have, and growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom, that we too can have a great impact in this world. That's what history tells us. History tells us over and over and over again that if you have a convicted mission, you have power and you have the ability to have an impact on this world, which is pretty cool. And so as we continue this series, today we're talking about local missions, marching for missions, local missions. And as we take a look about local missions this morning, we're going to start in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 1. In the New Testament, just after the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. And we're going to see what Jesus has to say about local missions. And we're going to read verses 6 through 11 of Acts chapter 1. 
and to give you guys a little background of what, what's taking place here, is this is after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus already died on the cross. He was buried in, buried in the tomb for three days. And on the third day, he rose from the grave victoriously. And Jesus roamed the earth for 40 days after he was resurrected, waiting to ascend to the Father. And so for 40 days, Jesus was preaching about the kingdom. We, we see that in verse 3. But in verse 6, we continue, these are the last words of Jesus here on this earth. The very last words before he ascended unto heaven. And so these words must be extremely important. I mean, I, I think of uh, with, with my grandpa and the last few words that he spoke to me. And they held so much value to me. They had so much power for me and comfort to me, uh, th- those last few words that he spoke to me. And Jesus, he could have said a lot. There's a lot that he could have talked about and preached about to his disciples. But we're going to take a look at what Jesus had to say, the very few last words before he ascended to heaven. We can see that the disciples, they would have valued very much these words that Jesus spoke. And so we read in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, it says, So when they had come together, that being the disciples, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so what we see here is that, yeah, Jesus talking to his disciples the last few words before he ascends to heaven. And after he says those few words, Jesus ascends into heaven and he is now sitting at the right hand of God. He's not sitting at the throne of God. God is sitting here and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God. They're, they're two separate beings. But Jesus ascended unto heaven and he's sitting at the right hand of God. And, and two men came along, uh, possibly angels, asked the disciples, Guys, why are you looking up at heaven trying, trying to find Jesus? He's going to come back in the same way that he ascended. So they're, they're saying that Jesus, one day, he's going to descend back onto this earth, and he's going to bring his Father's kingdom. What a glorious, glorious day that will be. As We're talking a lot about that in the ladies' Bible study uh, Tuesday morning, which I'm loving going over that with them. But, so Jesus ascended unto heaven. But what I want to focus on this morning Again, is the last few words that Jesus had to say before he ascended. These are the last words he spoke here on this earth 2,000 years ago. And we read it. And and, and Jesus said in verse 7, he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of of the earth. And after saying that, he ascended into heaven. So here the disciples asked, Lord, are you going to restore this kingdom right now? And Jesus says, it's not, it's not for you to know when I'm going to restore the kingdom, bring my father's kingdom to this earth. But he, but he says in verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses 
in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Jesus says, you will have power when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit through baptism, through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are filled with the Holy Spirit, and we have power. And Christ told his disciples that you will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was the last message that Jesus had for his disciples was to tell them that you are to be my witnesses. When we take a look at witnesses in our current society, many people often think of witnesses in like a crime scene. Um, a witness is someone who sees like a crime take place and they, that witness is then brought to court and they repeat what they saw to the judge. And the witness has a lot of sway in how the court decision is going to go. They tell the judge what they saw and they have a lot of influence on whether the judge will rule them innocent or guilty. There's, there's a lot of power in a witness. And Jesus told his disciples that you are to be my witnesses. Because here Jesus was, he was ministering on this earth for three years, and he, he was preaching and teaching and doing these miracles, and he witnessed about himself in those three years in his earthly ministry. However, it was time for Jesus to ascend to heaven. And Jesus no longer could witness about himself to others. So Jesus gave the very important responsibility to the disciples, to the followers of Christ, to be my witnesses. Those are the last words of Christ. Be my witnesses. The disciples were to be Christ's witnesses. I mean, the, the disciples would have served as great witnesses. They saw the ministry of Jesus. They saw that Jesus was on fire about this message of the kingdom. They saw that their Lord and Savior, their master, their teacher, their friend, they saw that he died on the cross and died for their sins. They saw that he was resurrected from the grave, that he was alive after being crucified on the cross. They witnessed all of these things, and they were then to share with others. They were to witness to others what they saw. They're to witness to others that Jesus, he's preaching about the kingdom. They're to witness to others that Jesus died on the cross. They're to witness to others that Jesus was resurrected. And we too are going to be resurrected one day when Christ comes back to establish his kingdom. That is what the disciples were to witness. They were to witness all about Jesus. And Jesus' ministry was all about the kingdom. And Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus was resurrected. They were to witness about the kingdom, the cross, and the resurrection. That was their duty. That was the last words of Jesus Christ. Be my witnesses. As Christ no longer could witness to the people as he is sitting at the right hand of God. And this calling that Christ had for his disciples, for his followers, still applies today. It still applies today to each and every one of us. We are to be Christ's witnesses here on this earth. We are to witness to those around us. We are to witness the message that was so crucial to Jesus, the kingdom. We are to witness that he died on the cross for our sins. We are to witness to others that Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered death. We are to be witnesses of that. We have knowledge. We have knowledge through God's word. We know the truth. We know the truth. We are witnesses of Jesus' ministry and what he did on the cross and in the resurrection. We are witnesses. 
And Christ says that you are to witness to others. Now, Christ didn't just say to tell us to witness to others, but he gave us an order into who we are to witness. Christ said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, upon a first glance, this may seem kind of random why he would say, first Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. But if we look at a map, it makes total sense. If you could pull up the, the, the picture of the map. This is a map of the Israel area, the Middle East. And so Jesus said when he, when he told his disciples, you are to be my witnesses first in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a city, and that's where they were at that time. They were in Jerusalem as uh, Jesus was ascended into heaven. And so we see Jerusalem. If you can't see, it's that black little circle. And in that blue circle, there's a black little circle, and that is Jerusalem, just a city. And Christ said, first you are to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And then he says, after that you are to be my witnesses and in all Judea. And now Judea was the region in which Jerusalem was. So Jerusalem is in Judea. Judea was the nation at that time. And you are to be your witnesses to Judea after Jerusalem. And after you witness in Jerusalem and after you witness in uh, Judea, you are to witness in Samaria which is the, the red circle. Judea was, or Samaria was located directly north of Judea. And after they were to witness in Jerusalem and Judea, they were to witness in the region right outside of that. They were to witness in Samaria. And after they witnessed to all those three places, Christ said, it's then what you need to witness to those to the ends of the earth. There's an order that Jesus had put in place. And the order is where you start here. You start where you are. We start here in Springfield. We start here, and it's then where we expand. We start in Springfield. Maybe we go to Ohio, and then maybe we, we go to Michigan or something. And then, and then we extend to the ends of the earth. I mean, that's the end goal. The end goal is to be witnessed, witnesses to the ends of the earth. The end goal is to spread the gospel message to the ends of the earth. We see this in Matthew chapter 24. Verse 14, just one verse, you can look at the projector if you want. Jesus says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's the end goal. The end goal is to spread this gospel message throughout the whole world. And Jesus took that into consideration. But, but Jesus said, before we spread that gospel throughout the whole world, you first, the first step is to witness where you are. The first step is to witness where you are. The first step for us is to witness in Springfield, Ohio. That is our Jerusalem. That is the beginning step. Many people overlook local missions, but local missions is so important. It's the beginning of it all. The end goal is to spread this gospel message throughout the ends of the earth. But our beginning, our beginning as a church and reaching the ends of the earth, our beginning and doing that and marching for missions, it's right here in Springfield, Ohio. It's right here with our local missions. That is our mission. That is our starting point. That is our beginning to expanding God's kingdom. It's the very beginning. Local missions is something that's overlooked so much. And what's fascinating to me as uh, Jesus backtracking a tiny bit, what's fascinating to me about Jesus saying that you are to witness in first Jerusalem, uh, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth, that's exactly what the disciples did in the book of Acts and the followers of Christ. 
if, if, if you're curious, chapters 1 through 7 in Acts is all about the disciples and Paul and others witnessing in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem alone. They're witnessing in Jerusalem. Then chapters 8 and 9 was about them witnessing in Judea and Samaria. And after they did that, chapters 10 through 28 is about them witnessing to the ends of the earth, where they witnessed in uh, Caesarea, Antioch, Asia Minor, Greece, and Rome. So, so the disciples followed the order that Christ had in mind was to start at your home base, which is Jerusalem for them, then to expand a bit in Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Christ gave a systematic order, and I think we should follow that systematic order as well. And so the beginning of that systematic order is our local missions, the local missions. That is the beginning step in spreading God's gospel message throughout the entire world, throughout the ends of the earth. So when we talk about local missions, it is so, so important for us as a church. It's so, so important for us to witness to others right around us. We are to be a witness with those in Springfield, Ohio. That is the beginning step. That is so important. This is the beginning of marching for missions. Local missions is witnessing to others right around you. Right in your own backyard, whether that be your neighbor, whether that be your friends at school, whether that be your coworkers, employees, employers, whoever it may be, Jesus' last words to you, to us, was to tell you to be a witness first in your home. In the place where you live, where we live, in Springfield, Ohio, that was the last words of Jesus before he ascended into heaven was to tell you, tell you this very important message that, hey guys, you are to be my witnesses. You are to tell others about the, my ministry. As I can't do that anymore, as I'm about to ascend to heaven, Jesus wanted to tell you, tell you personally, that you need to be his witness. You are to be his witness. And we need to do that as a church. We need to do that as a church. We need to put an emphasis on, on local missions. Local missions need to be at the forefront of our minds. How many of you guys want this church to be a church that is growing? Raise your hand. Yes. We all want this church to be a church that is growing. But I'm here to tell you this morning that this church will not grow if we are not witnessing to our friends and family right here in Springfield, Ohio. This church was guaranteed not to grow if we are not witnessing to those here in Springfield, Ohio. And every one of us raised our hand that we wanted this church to grow. And with that said, we need to be witnessing to those here in Springfield, Ohio. We need to be witnessing to those right around us, people right in our own backyard. You have to be a fisher of men. You have to be casting out your net to the people right around you. You have to be planting and watering the seeds of the people right around you. You need to be spreading that gospel message to the people right around you. The message of the kingdom and the cross and the resurrection. Jesus wanted to tell you that, that you need to be his witness. And this church is not going to grow if you are not willing to be his witness. And I would encourage you guys to be Jesus' witness, because Jesus thought that that was so important that that was the last few words that he spoke before he left this earth for thousands of years, was to tell you to be a witness. So I believe that message is pretty important 
That message has got to be pretty important to Jesus to be a witness if those were his closing words, his final words here on this earth. And so we need to be a witness to those around us here in Springfield, Ohio, when we talk about local missions. Now, I am so excited for this church. I think we have so many great opportunities. In three weeks, we, we, as Mark mentioned in the announcements, we have Friend Day coming up. Friend Day. And I am so excited about this. I want to fill this church. Many of you guys have talked to me that you want to invite your friends or your family or whatever it may be. And I love that. I love that talk. And I want you to invite your friends and your family or whoever it may be. And so we're having Friend Day in three weeks on April 14th. And Friend Day, the purpose of that is we are going to purposefully gear our service towards those who are not church. We're going to gear our service towards those who may not be comfortable in coming to a a normal uh, worship service. And you can feel comfortable that you're not going to invite your friends to a service where I'm going to sit here and talk about Leviticus numbers for 40 minutes because nobody, nobody wants to invite their friend to that message. Or at least I, I probably wouldn't. But I, I'm go- I can assure you guys that on April 14th, on Friend Day, in three weeks, just three weeks away, we are going to have a message, a service that is going to be geared specially towards them. Especially towards them. And I, I want to make it as easy as possible. I want to make it as easy as possible for you to invite your friends and family. Because I know, I know firsthand that it can be scary at times. It can be fearful at times to invite your friends and your family to your church. As you don't know what they're going to say. You don't know what the preacher is going to talk about. If they're going to talk about numbers the whole time. You don't. You, there, there's a lot of unknowns. And it can be a scary and a fearful experience in inviting your friends and family to church. And I understand that. But I want to make it as easy as possible for you guys to invite your friends. So on April 14th, Friend Day, invite your friends and your family. I challenge each and every one of you guys to invite at least one person. One person. Can we do that? Can we do that? Yes. Yes, I like it. Yes, sir, I like it. Thank you. Yes, we can. I challenge you all, invite one person. Invite one person, one family member or one friend that you have to church on April 14th. And it's so important. And why do I think it's so important? Because those were the last words of Jesus Christ. Those were the last words of Jesus Christ to tell you to be a witness. And you have a great opportunity before you to be a witness. You have the power. You can do it. With this this mission that we have in growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom, you can do it. You can invite someone. I know it's scary. I know it's fearful at times, but you can do it. And I challenge each and every one of you guys to invite at least one friend or one family member to our friend day and three weeks away, I think this place is going to be hooting and hollering, and Jen is going to uh, put together a great service. They're going to have the worship team there, and it's going to, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be rocking, and I am so excited for that. And as we talk about local missions, as we talk about local missions, you need to be inviting your friends and your family. Paul said that we have the responsibility. It is our responsibility to plant and water those seeds. It is our responsibility to to share with our friends and family the message of the kingdom. It's our responsibility to share with them the, the, the many blessings that come with the church. It's your responsibility to invite them to church. Paul says that. However, 
Paul does not say, fortunately for us, Paul does not say that it's our responsibility whether or not they grow. You're not responsible whether or not the people you invite to this church come or not. You're not responsible. Thank goodness that God, God is the one who provides the growth. God is the one who opens their heart. And whether or not they will choose to come to, to church or not and accept your invitation, you aren't responsible for that. But you are responsible for planting those seeds in the first place. You are responsible for casting out your nets. You aren't responsible if your net comes back empty. But you are responsible for casting out your net and planting those seeds. So again, I encourage you, I, I challenge you all, in three weeks, you have three weeks to, to prep yourself, to, to build courage, to invite your friends and your family to church on April 14th, the week before Easter. Maybe they can come for Easter the following week, and I think it's going to be a great time, and I'm excited about it as we have been talking about marching for missions this whole month. Marching for missions, as uh, I'm not speaking tomorrow or next week, I'm having a guest speaker, but I've, I've enjoyed uh, talking to you guys about marching for missions and the mission that we have. We defined our mission as growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. That is your mission in life, is to grow closer to God and expand his kingdom. And we saw that none of us are excluded from that mission. If we want to consider ourselves a Christian, we better be a fisher of men. We better be planting and watering those seeds. And we took a look at last week the power of a convicted mission. The power that we have when we feel so strong about the mission that we have. When we feel so strong about the mission of growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom. We saw the power that we can have. If we feel passionate and strong about growing closer to God and expanding his kingdom, you can have an impact today in this world, in this society, in Springfield, Ohio. You can have an impact if you have a convicted mission. This morning, we, 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 took the, we took a look at local missions. Local missions. It's the beginning of it all. It's the beginning of, of spreading this gospel message to the ends of the earth. It's the beginning of it all. That is what we're talking about when we're talking about marching for missions. We all have a mission, and I hope you see the urgency behind that mission that we are to fulfill. We need to be marching for missions. Let's pray. Father God, uh, I just thank you for this day. Uh, I thank you for uh, this, this wonderful church, this church that uh, wants to serve you, worship you, uh, to please you. Uh, Father, I just ask that you work great things through this church, that you give us the courage, the boldness to spread that gospel message to those right around us here in Springfield, Ohio, that you give us the courage to invite our friends to church on Friend Day. Father, I just pray that we can have a positive impact on April 14th when we invite our friends and family to this church that we can have the courage to share this awesome message that we have as we have a responsibility to witness to our friends and family. And Father, it's my prayer that none of us take that responsibility of being your son's witnesses lightly, that we can all be witnesses to those around us here in Springfield, in Ohio, in Michigan, in Indiana, Illinois, in America, and to the ends of the earth and that we can spread your gospel message throughout the whole world, and then your son will come. And Father, 
We look forward to your coming kingdom. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.